These chapters in the book of 2 Kings, I can't say, are the most riveting chapters. Well, I should, I should say chapter 15. So, so chapter 16 is, um, there's a, a, actually, uh, it, it, it's kind of a page turner, although it's only one page, but chapter 15 after the first five or six verses is just like one king after another. And I, I don't know, it, revi- it, it, it rivals some of those chapters in Leviticus, but as you will hear from any lover of God's word, Leviticus is wonderful. And so I'm praying that uh, somehow the Lord will do that with the latter part of, uh, of 2 Kings 15. It's here for a purpose. But in the chapter 15, verse uh, 1 through uh, 7, uh, is not like that. It's, it's about one of the best kings in the, uh, in the story of First and Second Kings. His name is Uzziah, but here in Second Kings, he's called uh, Azariah, and I guess... Uh, Years and years ago, believe it or not, I, I took Hebrew for a year and a half, but I forget um, exactly 100% of what I learned. Uh, but I, well, what I'm told is that uh, Uzziah is a form. It's somehow embedded in Azariah in the original Hebrew. So, uh, but the main story about Uzziah, about Uzziah is in Second Chronicles, but we're going to read a little about him right now. In the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah, the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, became king. Now remember, First and Second Kings go back and forth between what's going on in the north, referred to as Israel in First and Second Kings, it's the northern ten tribes. They are in rebellion against the Lord. They never have a good king. It goes back and forth between them and the southern part, which is Judah and Benjamin. And they go back and forth between good kings and bad kings. We're going to see in chapter 16 an exceedingly wicked king in the south. Uh, he resem- more resembles one of the kings in the, in the north. But um, here in chapter uh, 15 in 2 Kings, it begins with Azariah. Verse 2, he was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. Now the fact that it mentions the mother there is probably evidence that she was a godly woman who had a lot of influence in his life. She influenced him for godliness, not only good, but godliness. Moms, you have an incredible opportunity to influence the world. Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done, except the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. And so 
That's just one of those things. We've talked about it now for months because it comes up on a regular basis. Um, they were supposed to be sacrificing only at the temple, and they had come into the land, uh, the, 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 the Levites and the priests doing work in Jerusalem um, were the, the, the place to, to burn uh, uh, incense and, and, and do the sacrifices. A lot of that is really tied into the fact that those sacrifices um, at the temple on the altar were a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. And when you just find an, a, a convenient place in the hill near you, even though it may be two or three days' journey to Jerusalem, you're, what you're doing is you're messing with a type. And that's one thing you, in, the, in the Old Testament, actually throughout the Bible, that uh, the Israelites got into a lot of trouble doing. Moses got into trouble doing it when he hit the rock instead of speak to it to have water come out. And we find out later that he was really hitting Christ. Like, like this is not a good thing when you're hitting Jesus Christ with a stick. Or, or marriage is a type. The uh, husband representing God or Jesus Christ, the groom, the wife uh, representing the bride. And so when you mess with that type Book of Malachi, chapter 2, gets into this, that type, that representation, that symbol, that picture. You get into a lot of trouble. And, and same thing, going out to high places when that altar was a foreshadowing. What happened on that altar was a foreshadowing with Jesus Christ. Not a good thing, but it's one of those things that's just really, really hard to enforce. There's many, many hills throughout Judah and Benjamin, not to mention all Israel. You know, how do you go and prevent people from doing that. Well, I think Uzziah's great-grandson did, Hezekiah. He took out all the high places, if I remember correctly. But um, very, very few of the kings did, even the good ones. Verse 5, it says, Then the Lord struck the king so that he was a leper until the day of his death. So he dwelt in an isolated house, and Jotham, the king's son, was over the royal house, judging the people of the land, meaning that while his dad, uh, the, the Old Testament law required that lepers be isolated, and so at the end of Uzziah's life, his son really was reigning, even though he was alive. Verse 6, now the rest of the acts of Azariah and all that he did, are they not written in the books of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Azariah rested with his fathers, and they buried him with his, um, with his fathers in the city of David. Then Jotham, Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. So 52 years this guy reigned, Uzziah. And uh, what I'm not going to do is, is teach the whole story about Uzziah that's um, in Chronicles, although I, 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 I did want to mention just a couple of things. It says in 2 Chronicles 26, he sought God in the days of Zechariah. He sought God in the days of Zechariah. Oddly enough, that's said of very few kings, even the good ones. <laughs> Not all of them does it say they sought the Lord. He sought 
God in the days of Zechariah who had understanding in the visions of God. So this, this man, Zechariah, had understanding of the visions of God. So important to attach yourself to a person who is more mature than you or at least as mature or, or has a zeal for the Lord and suck out of them every bit of godliness you can, every bit of teaching. If you're not doing that, you, you, you are, you're going to be slowly shriveling up. Important to attach yourself to, to godly people so that they pour into your life. I have, um, um, actually myself, I, I, I have like four or five people that I really, really draw from. Uh, and, and he did, he did, Uzziah did, by the, through this man, Zechariah, but it says in Second Chronicles uh, uh, 26, verse 11, it says, Uzziah's fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped by the Lord. I, I've, I always love reading that little phrase about Uzziah. He was marvelously helped by the Lord. Wow. Yes, Lord, do that with me, please. He was marvelously helped by the Lord, and he became strong. But, um, and, and so... Uh, 52 years this guy reigned, and, and then he died. Now, uh, I think one of the most dramatic chapters in the Bible is Isaiah chapter 6, where he says in verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. You can imagine having a man like this for 52 years, who's marvelously helped by the Lord, who's a righteous man, and he dies, and everyone's freaking out, like, what is going to happen now? Uzziah's dead? Can you imagine, 52 years? How many presidential terms is that? I, I, I don't even know. But uh, for a lot of people, it was the king was the same person their whole life. And so just tremendous uncertainty sweeps over the land. Like, what's going to happen now? Uzziah is dead. And it was in that time of uncertainty. Listen to me, Calvary Chapel. It was in that time of great uncertainty where Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. Isn't it great how the Lord shows up? He shows up every day, but, but he shows up oftentimes in the strongest way in your life, in the time of the greatest uncertainty. In the year that Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with, um, and, and they cried out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the posts of the door were shaken by his voice. And, 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 and then it says in verse 5, Isaiah, Isaiah said, woe is me, I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I mean, he has an encounter uh, with the Lord, and, um, and uh, one of the seraphim, one of the angels comes and touches him with a, his, his uh, mouth with a coal and says, look, your iniquity is taken away. Even though you're in the presence of the Lord, your sin is purged. And, um, 
Then in verse 8, it says, I, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for, um, um, for us? And, and Isaiah says, here, my, send me. And so that, that dramatic chapter all happens in a time of exceedingly great uncertainty. Now, he, at the end of his life, um, he was struck with leprosy. And many of you uh, know the, the story there. Um, he, 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 man, his power and his fame just got to his head. Again, in verse 15 of 2 Chronicles 26, his fame um, spread far and wide. And, and uh, it says in the next verse in 2 Chronicles 26, 16, he, he got strong in his, and his heart was lifted up to his destruction for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to try to burn, to, to burn incense on the altar. And so he wasn't a priest but he just got so powerful, it's like, man, I can, do what it, I can do whatever I want. So he goes in and he does what is forbidden. He tries to burn incense on the altar. Uh, I know he was read in the Bible, but he forgot his Bible because Aaron's two sons, Nadab and Abihu, did that. And what happened? They got torched. But anyway, I think one of the, one of the things that speaks the best of Uzziah, the, the, the thing that to me speaks better than anything else in the Bible written about Uzziah is the fact that the priests under his reign came and got him out of there. It just shows that he respected the institution of priests and these were men of God. We will see tonight another priest completely cave in to the king. But I think it just speaks so well about this was a serious, righteous man uh, that, that the priest came in and said, what are you doing in there? You got to get out. And he starts screaming at him. It, it appears from the verbiage. He starts yelling at him, gets very angry. And just right then he was struck with leprosy. But um, a very righteous man. Uh, he... Uh, but you know something? We're, we're not wired. We're just not wired for, for, for just for fame, for being marvelously helped by the Lord, for um, our fame spreading um, greatly amongst the people. So important that every day we cry out to the Lord, let me see just the gunk, the iniquity, the pride of my own heart that I can repent. Now, the thing about it, the, in 2 Corinthians, um, I believe it's chapter 12, the Lord usually has a way of taking care of our pride by just sticking us with thorns. I was talking to a brother this, um, this morning. It was just, uh, he's just had a lifelong uh, thorn. Not, 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 not lifelong, but you know, for the past uh, few decades, and I was just encouraging him, just think of what would have happened to you if you didn't have that in your life. It's a scary thought. And um, it's true. Without the, the thorns that God puts in our lives, it, it's scary what we could do. This is a crazy thing. You don't... Uh, the, the Uzziah going up and trying to be a priest. And, and, and this is a very righteous man. So it's scary what we could do. But God in his grace um, gives us thorns. So that's Uzziah 
Um, don't know a lot. It's not a lot is said about him um, in here in, in, in chapter 15. In verse 8, we move to the northern ten tribes. So back and forth, back and forth, just kind of like, you know, your windshield wipers. I, I, I shouldn't trivialize the Bible like that. But um, anyway, in the third, 38th year of Azariah, king of Judah, so in the 30th year of Uzziah, Zechariah, this is obviously a different Zechariah than the one who gave Uzziah visions. Zechariah, the son of Jeroboam, reigned over Israel and Samaria six months. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord as his fathers had done. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. I tell you, the power of repetition, this is what you hear about, I think, every king in the north. Maybe not every king, but, but just over and over and over and over again, they did evil. Why? Because they did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. That was the first king of, the, of northern Israel, and he set up two calves, one in Dan, one in Bethel, one in the north, one in the south, and he says, don't go to Jerusalem, just do your religion here with these calves. That's Jehovah. That's Yahweh. That's the, that's the God who took you out of Egypt. You don't have to go down Jerusalem. That was such a serious thing to the Lord, and um, none of the kings departed from it. Um, and so uh, it says that uh, in verse 10, then Shalom, but so, so this guy, Zechariah, only reigns for six months, and from here to the rest of the chapter, here's where it gets just, uh, again, not one of the most it's just very repetitive, king after king after king. You can get lost in the names here. I'll try to do the best I can. Then Shalom, the son of Jabesh, conspired against him and struck and killed him in front of the people and he reigned in his place. Now the rest of the Acts of Zechariah, indeed they are written in the books of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel. This was the word of the Lord which he spoke to Jehu, saying, your son shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. And so it was. So um, this guy, Zechariah, was the fourth generation, starting with Jehu. Um, in, in, in the north, four generations is sort of a long time because the, 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 the line of kings would change from family to family to family. Unlike the south, it was a direct line and it was unbroken because there was a promise that that line would go from David all the way to the King Messiah. Thir verse 13 Shalom, the son of Jabesh, became king in the 39th year of Uzziah. So here they call him Uzziah, king of Judah. And he reigned a full month in Samaria. He actually made it 30 days. For Menahem, the son of Gadai, went up from Terza, came to Samaria, struck Shalom, the son of Jabesh, in Samaria, and killed him, and he reigned in his place. Now the rest of the acts of Shalom and the conspiracy which he led, indeed they are written in the, kings, in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. Then from Terza, Menahem attacked Tiphsah, all who were there in its territory, because they did not surrender, therefore he attacked it, all the women there who were with child, he ripped open. 
and you wonder, you know, why, you know, couldn't they have left this line out? But the Holy Spirit decided to include it. I will tell you, believe me, it was much worse. Holy Spirit could have included much worse. I think I mentioned this last week or the week before. When you read about the flood in Genesis 6, I mean, people talk about the flood where everyone in the entire world died and critics of the Bible Critics, uh, critics of the Bible don't believe that the flood happened, but, but they will say, what kind of religion is this where a God kills? Uh, some people think it's over a billion people at the time, however many it was. Well, the reason is given in Genesis 6 that the, the world was covered with violence. And so this is an example of what happens in a world which is covered with violence. Warriors go in, they find women who are pregnant, and they rip them open. And allegedly would take the babies and stick them on their swords, just do crazy things. I've mentioned this before. Interesting, we're in an Ethiopian church here. We're so thankful for these brothers, but... Um, Good, good friends of ours were missionaries in Ethiopia, and they came in at the very end of a major revival in Ethiopia that had been brought about by, um, and that, that had been triggered by, among other reasons, um, an American missionary there, and he had a certain method of wherever he went, he started in the Old Testament, and he worked through it and with the unbelievers, the different tribes, there's hundreds of tribes, as I understand it, in Ethiopia. And by the time they finish, me, finish the Old Testament, they are so ripe for Jesus Christ. And it, and, and it really is true. Um, I, I, get, I get concerned with the marginalization of the Old Testament, just marginalizing it, you don't have to, because it really, as you go through it, it's like, wow, people like ripping pregnant women, you know, and, and, then, and, and then, you know, we're gonna see later on sacrificing um, children, that's in chapter 16 with King Ahaz, and, and just, and, and you get the sense as you're going through the Old Testament when you're not a believer yet, it's like, this is a messed up world, and this world is gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna eat me up. And then you get to Jesus Christ, and, and they're, they're ripe. <laughs> so um, it, there is value in this as hard as it is to read. It really, it really makes us really Fear the Lord more, like, God, we really do need you. And by the way, Lord, we really are wicked. What we have the capacity to do, Lord, not only go into a temple and do incense when we're not supposed to, it's something like this is in the seedbed that we're all, we all got from Adam and Eve. And so this wicked king in the north, Menahem, does this, Verse 17, in the 38th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Menahem, the son of Gadai, became king over Israel and reigned 10 years in Samaria. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart of all the, day, 
all the days of his life from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who, who had made Israel sin. I, I want you to notice something here. When it says he did evil in the sight of the Lord, it doesn't say because he ripped pregnant women open. Notice that. It says because he did not depart from the sins of Nebat. See, the ripping women open, open, that's just a symptom. That's just a symptom. The problem is, is they are committing idolatry. They've departed from the word of God. And when you do that, it's like everything's game. You know, nothing's out of bounds. And so often... I mean, you know, these kings who king after king after king in the north, it says they didn't depart from the, from the sin of Jeroboam. Man, if you went back, I mean, look at some of the things that Ahab did. If you went back and, and chronicled what, what they did, they're just incredibly evil things, but it all originated from just departing from the word of God. That, that was the biggest issue in the Lord's eyes. It was worshiping another God. Violation of the first and second commandment. Verse 19. Pool, otherwise known as Tiglath Pileser. And I'm probably, there's probably like 10 pronunciations of that. I don't know if that one's the right one. I'm glad here at least they call him Pool. <laughs> Because um, a little later on, it's going to be Tiglath-Pileser. But King Assyria came against the land, and Menahem gave Pul a thousand talents of silver. That's 37 tons. That his hand might be with him to strengthen the kingdom under his control. And Menahem exacted the money from Israel from all the very wealthy, from each man, 50 shekels of silver to give to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria turned back and did not stay there in the land. Now the rest of the acts of Menahem and all that he did, are they not written in the books of the chronicles of the kings of, 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 of Israel? So Menahem rested with his father, then Pekahiah, his son, reigned in his place in the 50th year of Azariah, king of Judah, that's Uzziah, Pekahiah, the son of Menahem, became king over Israel and Samaria and reigned two years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. Again, just over and over and again, you see that. Then Pekah, the son of Remaliah, an officer of his, conspired against him and killed him in Samaria in the citadel of the king's house along with Argob and Aria and with him were 50 men of Gilead. He killed him and reigned in his place. So in case you haven't noticed in a short span of what is this? Something like less than 15 years there's like six kings. There's, there is a growing um, instability in the north Things are falling apart. I don't know exactly the amount of years, somewhere between 250 and 300 years. 
since the kingdom of the north was established. I may be a little off there, but God had been sending prophets the whole time, the heavyweights, Elijah and Elisha, turn back to God, turn back to God, turn back to God. They had not, and they're nearing the end. And so the instability, I mean, things are just starting to unravel. But it wasn't as if they had not been warned over and over again. It goes on and says this. um, In the 52nd year of Azariah, king of Judah, Pekah, the son of of Remaliah, became king over Israel and Samaria and reigned 20 years. So uh, he reigns much longer. And he did um, evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. But, But here's the deal with Pekah. And if you're taking notes, this is a good verse, verse 29 to underline, because it's a major, major event. In the days of Pekah, king of Israel, Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came and took Aijon, Abel, Meth, Makkah, Genoa, Kedesh, Hazar, Gilead, Galilee, all the land of Nathali, and he carried them captive to Assyria. So this is the beginning in the north. We'll see this in the south, what, something like 100 years later? or 75, something like that. But, um, or 150, I, I don't know exactly um, how much longer, but, but um, it's the beginning of the exile of the people of the north. Again, it's not as if the Lord had not, uh, had not warned them. The king, I mean, rather the prophet around this time, Hosea was prophesying during this time right before the exile happened. And uh, what was he telling them? Got right up in their face. Hosea chapter 4. The Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. There's no truth or mercy or, or, mercy or knowledge of God in the land. There's no more knowledge of God in the land. Or for the most part, there may have been a tiny remnant. By swearing, lying, killing, stealing, and committing adultery, they break all restraint. Therefore, the land will mourn, and everyone who dwells there will waste away. And then in chapter 9, Hosea says to them, Do not rejoice, Israel, with joy like other peoples, for you have played the harlot against your God. You have made love for hire on every threshing floor, the threshing floor and the wine press. Um, And verse 3, it says, They, meaning the people of the north, shall not dwell in the Lord's hand, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt and shall eat unclean things in Assyria, meaning they're going to be they're going to be carted off. They're going to be exiled. They're going to be dragged away. Supposedly, the Assyrians, when they took people into exile, put a hook inside their nose or somehow in their face, in their cheek or whatever, um, a hook, and, and that's how they were exiled. That's how they were brought away. The very sad ending here in the north, and eventually it's going to happen in the south. But here in chapter 15 is the beginning. 
It's the beginning of this. How long have they been in the promised land at this point? Something like 700 years. So um, it's the beginning, though, of after 700 years, um, they're, uh, or <laughs> give or take 100 years, they're, they're being exiled. They're being taken away. So that's a major incident here in verse 29. Then Hosea, the son of Elah, led a conspiracy against Pekah, the son of Rimaleah, struck and killed him, so he reigned in his place. In the 20th year of Jotham, the son of Uzziah. Now the rest of the acts of Pekah and all that he did, indeed they are written in the book of the Chronicles of Israel. And we'll of course be getting to that book, the Chronicles. Um, actually, no we, yeah, no we won't. We won't be getting into the um, Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. That book is not in the Bible. It's the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah that's in the Bible. Right? Right. Uh, verse 32, in the second year of Pekah, the sons of Remaliah, king of Israel, Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, began to reign. So here's the, um, the, the windshield wipers or whatever you want to say, going back down to the south. So from verse uh, 8 to uh, that verse right there uh, in verse 31. In verse 31, it's, it's northern Israel, it switches back to southern Israel in verse 32. And new king in the south, Uzziah's son Jotham, verse 33, he was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. He did what was right in the eyes of um, in the sight of the Lord, he did according to all that his father Uzziah had done. And so, uh, my son Sam, as he was growing up, I put a little verse from Chronicles about Jotham. Um, Jotham, Jotham did what was right in the eyes of the Lord because he, 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 he put the ways of the Lord before him. Was that what it was, Sam? Oh, man, it was up there for like 10 years. He was just going in and out. But I knew that the Lord was, uh, the Lord was doing a work in Sam's life. Um, Jotham um, prepared his way before the Lord. You can shout it out if you go to Second Chronicles and read it. But um, it was, it, it, it was um, he was a righteous king. And, uh, and we, we actually don't know a whole lot about him Verse 35, however, the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. He built the upper gate of the house of the Lord. Now the rest of the acts of Jotham and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? Now that we do have those books, and we're going to get to them after 2 Kings. Verse 37, in those days, the Lord began to send Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah against Judah. So Jotham rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father. Then Ahaz, his son, reigned in his place. Now Ahaz, um, he's going to prove himself to be the most wicked king of Judah, the south, up to this point. He will be surpassed by Manasseh, but um, I'm telling you, this guy, 
this guy, uh, let his life be a warning to your heart. He was a wicked dude. Verse 2 says, Ahaz was 20 years when he became king. He reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. He did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord, as his father David had done. So remember, David was from beginning to end. He was the standard for all the kings of Israel were measured by him. Of course, Jesus Christ being the son of David. For all his faults, and, and he had a lot of faults, he was a man after God's own heart. He sought the Lord as Uzziah had done. He was the measure by which all other kings in the south were measured. Verse 3, but he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his son pass through the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel. In other words, this is what the nations had done prior to Israel coming in. Uh, again, whatever, whatever it was, seven, eight hundred years before. This is, this is what these nations had done when God originally promised this land to Israel, he, pro he, he promised to Abraham, I'm going to give you this land, but not yet because of the sin of the people dwelling there, dwelling here right now, has not come to its fruition. So it would be another 400 and 450 years before their sin came to fruition. And the sin, among other things, was child sacrifice and when the sin reached its height that's when the Israels came in and and drove them out and so um, he's practicing child sacrifice here verse 4 says and he uh, sacrificed and burned incense on the high places on the hills and under every green tree so it became just in Judah. This is a very sad scene. We're going to see a massive revival that's going to be led by Ahaz's son, Hezekiah. It's, it's so massive and so swift. The Bible actually says, and everyone rejoiced because it happened so quickly. It's one of the best verses in the Bible. It's like, yes, Lord, do it again. But at this point in verse 4, they're doing sacrifices that, and under every green tree, sacrifices to other gods, that is. And it's really, you know, worth, it's very important just reading through the Old Testament because you have these times where, man, someone living for the Lord at the time had to look around and think, wait a second, am I the crazy one and everyone else is sane? Like, why am I worshiping God? Maybe, they're, maybe I'm wrong. Look it. You're not the first person to have thought that. <laughs> there, 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 have been, uh, there have been many generations over the years uh, where, where the people of God living, and, and here, this is one of them. People are sacrificing to the pagan idols under every green tree. This was so widespread. And so, Calvary Chapel, just seek the Lord. 
Seek, that, seek those things that are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God to set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For your life is hidden with Christ and God. It's, 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 it's because, you know, at some point, the, the, we, have to, we have to sort of step out of ourselves and, and not pay attention to the, all the madness all around us. People sacrificing under every green tree. That's happening today in the United States of America, in Boston. But the Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful. Actually, within a generation, or actually the next generation under Hezekiah, there's a great revival and things change. But man, uh, the, 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 the Lord uh, had chosen some people for this time to glorify his name by Walking in integrity and uprightness, even though it seemed everywhere, everyone was falling away from the Lord. And what a great testimony. I think sometimes you wonder, sometimes people wonder, you know, why couldn't I live, you know, in the 1800s? It seems like everyone was a Christian, you know. It was just, I, I, I remember reading one, uh, this account in Scotland in the late, late 1800s of this gigantic um, auditorium of kids and every single one of them had like memorized some entire book of the Bible and, it, you, know, and, and you read uh, about some of these generations it's like Lord why aren't we living that because God's chosen you for something completely different this is your time the book of Acts says th th that God raised up David for his generation to do a work that he wanted David to do in his time and he this is your time Calvary Chapel right now um, in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of this uh, a turning away um, that, we're, that we're seeing. And uh, we need to keep our eyes on the Lord. He's chosen you for this, to, to offer your life in the middle of this. Verse 5 says then, there's always consequences, by the way, for living this life. And that's what we see in verse 5. Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, came up against Jerusalem to make war. They besieged Ahaz, but could not overcome him. At that time, Rezin, king of Syria, captured Elath for Syria and drove the men of Judah from Elath. Then the Edomites went to Elath and dwell there to this day. So, uh, so this is how... This is how um, uh, Ahaz was able to turn back the king of Syria and the king of Israel. Verse 7 said, he sent messengers to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Syria, saying, I am your servant and your son. In other words, he's just selling his soul, but that was an easy thing for him to do because he was selling his soul to everything um, at the time. I'm your servant and your son. Come up and save me from the hand of the king of Syria and from the hand of the king of Israel who rise up against me. And so, in other words, when it says in the previous verse that um, he, or in verse 5, that he was not overcome by his enemies, it was because he was compromising. It wasn't because he was noble or a great warrior. It was because he was going to the king of Assyria, who eventually would, um, you know, uh, well, I think at, at this time uh, was already uh, taking um, people from Israel and putting hooks in their noses and carrying them back to, uh, to Babylon. But so he goes to him, and uh, verse 8 says, he took the silver and the gold that was found in the house of the Lord. He's taken God's money and in the treasuries of the king's house and sent it as a present 
to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria heeded him, for the king of Assyria went up against Damascus, took it, carried his people captive to Kerr, and killed Rezin. So he winds up killing um, the king of Syria. Verse 10. Now King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria. This is interesting to me. He took a trip um, up to Damascus, up to Syria. This is where Paul, remember, was on the road to Damascus. That's where the Lord met him. But it was the capital of Syria, which this king, this Assyrian king, had just taken over. And it says, he saw an altar that was at Damascus, and King Ahaz sent to Urijah the priest the design of the altar and its pattern according to all his workmanship. Then King, not King, then Urijah the priest built an altar according to all that King Ahaz had sent from Damascus. So Urijah the priest made it before King, A King Ahaz came from Damascus. And when the king came back from Damascus, the king saw the altar and the king approached the altar and made offerings on it. So here you, here you see the contrast between a priest reigning under King Ahaz and a, the priests who were, um, who were priests during Uzziah, who was a righteous king. Those priests said to the king, no. <laughs> this priest, King Urijah, uh, just compromises in his, he sells his own soul. He's the high priest of God. He, he is, the oracles of God had been committed to this man. But hey, I can't go against the king. I mean, he may kill me or something. And, and who knows what the compromise was in his heart. My guess it was something like, you know, there's still a temple of, to Yahweh, to Jehovah, and I'm going I'm to be faithful to that. And, you know, I'll do this for the king, but it's not in my heart. It's not like I believe it. I tell you, the kind of rationalizations that sometimes that we, we can do when we're compromising. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death, Proverbs says. And uh, eventually, I'll read the verse from Second Chronicles. It says that King Ahaz shuts the door of the temple. So if that's actually what was in his heart, this priest, Urijah, that, well, I still got the temple over here. I'll be faithful to it. No, it's not, it doesn't work like that. You start compromising. Okay, well, I'll compartmentalize my life, and over here, I'll just do this. for No, the door's going to shut eventually. And, and so um, he, he actually does this, the priest of the Lord. Uh, by the way, you do see high priests. We've already seen them who were honorable during um, the reign of a, uh, of, uh, of a wicked um, king, but um, this guy was not. Shame on him. 
Verse 14, he also brought the bronze altar, which was before the Lord from the front of the temple, from between the new altar and the house of the Lord, and put it on the north side of the new altar. Then King King Ahaz commanded Urijah the priest, saying, on the great new altar, burn the morning burnt offering, the evening grain offering, the king's burnt offering, and his grain offering with the burnt offering of all the people of the land, their grain offering and their drink offerings, and sprinkle on it all the blood of the burnt offering and all the blood of the sacrifice, and the bronze altar shall be for me to inquire by. And so these were all offerings that are outlined in the book of Leviticus, only he's not doing it to Jehovah. That's really, really clear in Second Chronicles. He's just started offering them all to a different God. And it says at the end of verse 15, and the bronze altar shall be for me to inquire by. How were kings, how, how did, how, what was the method by which kings were to inquire of God? Someone shout it out. The first question I've asked you, I'm 35 minutes, I've been nice tonight. How were they to inquire God? What was that? Uh, specifically, what was the method? The umin and the thumin. <laughs> That's right. Um, it was the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, the thumin and the umin, the umin and the thumin. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was the, um, the ephah that was put over the high priest, and there were these two rocks and the, somewhat of a mystery, but you, you, you were, th- that was the method by which you would go to the high priest and the ephod and, and, and the, uh, I'm, I'm, it sounds like I'm getting it wrong here, the umin, urim and thumim, urim and thumim, thank you, thank you, thank you, um, and, uh, but he comes up with another method, uh, you know, I, I, I don't like going to the high priest and this guy's, this guy's, uh, who cares about this guy, Arijah, he has, Yes, it's, it's, funny, it's funny how little respect he has for the high priest here, right? I mean, it, it, this is the high priest. He's supposed to be going to the high priest to inquire of God. But even Ahaz knows this guy has just completely compromised himself. So he's not interested in going to him. So he makes up a different way to inquire of God. And it's whatever. It's to go by the bronze altar of this altar that had the design of which had been in Damascus and, and had been used um, to, f- f- by the Syrians to worship pagan, uh, their pagan gods. Verse 16, thus Urijah the priest, um, thus did Urijah uh, the priest according to all that King Ahaz commanded. Verse 17, this is just awful. King Ahaz cut off the panels of the carts this is carts that had been commanded by the, the law to be put in the temple of God. Removed the lavers from them, took down the sea from the bronze oxen that were under it, and put it on a pavement of stones. He removed the Sabbath pavilion which they had um, built in the temple. He removed the king's outer entrance from the house of the Lord on account of the king of Assyria. So he's basically just ripping the temple 
apart is what he is doing here. Um, Second Chronicles 28 um, it says this about Ahaz. In the time of his distress, he increasingly became unfaithful to the Lord. Uh, it, it says that in verse 24 of Second Kings 28, he shut up the doors of the house of the Lord and made for himself altars in every corner in Jerusalem, of Jerusalem. It just doesn't get worse than this. Like He's ripping stuff out of the temple and just building other altars, and then he just shuts the door of the temple. And again, he's going to die soon, and there's going to be a revival come in at the time you would have least expected it. Uh, but uh, this, is, this, is King, this is King Ahaz. Now, the rest of the acts of Ahaz, which he did, are they not written in the books of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Ahaz rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. Then Hezekiah, his son, reigned in his place. You know, from time to time, um, I, I counsel people and uh, they'll say that, you know, they've come to the Lord, but they're sort of living in the muck and the mire and they will recount their youth, how bad their father was, how bad their mother was, and um, using it as an excuse of why they, you know, they can't go on with the Lord. Whenever you hear uh, someone start singling themselves out from all other Christians because of how bad their upbringing was it's not a good sign they're not in a good place it's not that we should not have compassion for them it's not that we shouldn't have empathy and 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 really do whatever we can to to bless them but they're not in a good place and 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 when you talk to someone like that because you will eventually if you're in ministry not a bad idea to take them to 2 Kings chapter 18, <laughs> uh, 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 rather chapter 16 and 17 and showing. Look, 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 this Hezekiah guy, his father was Ahaz. <laughs> and uh, this is a guy who ripped apart. He's just a wicked guy. He was killing his kids. He was putting them in the fire. And yet the Lord raises up uh, his son, to do a great work of God. The, the Bible's just such a, loaded with a message of hope. No matter how bad things get, man, you put your eyes on the Lord and, and ask him for the grace to, to not be dragged down by your past. He can do a great work in your life.